We'll clear this place out real quick if I start singing. <clears throat> you know, thank you for that song. It was really great. And David, this morning, what's the matter? Can you hear me now? Okay. This thing drives me crazy. Anyway, your song this morning was awesome. I told Christy as we was leaving church, I said, man, that song, David nailed it today, did he not? You know, I've had an opportunity uh, in the last few months to go around to some different churches, uh, all smaller than Dorsville, uh, here in Saline County to share uh, some of God's word. And uh, I've been to Scott Street, I've been to Union Grove, been to Carrier Mills, First Baptist, Liberty. Um, and everywhere I go, I think how wonderfully blessed we are here at Dorsville to have the complete package. And I'm talking Dwayne, Brent, and David. These three guys and the leadership that they have here at Dorsville, they really are uh, something special. And we should uh, be thankful for what we have in them, right? Um, Dwayne asked me to share this particular night a long time ago. And... Then, you know, he had his heart episode, and I had to fill in for him unexpectedly. And um, so he said, I can help you out if you want me to. I'll give you what you, what you need to preach on tonight. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I never like it when he does that. I like being able to pick out something easy, you know. Uh, but anyway, he told me that Brent was going to be speaking on joy this morning. And he said that his idea was that he would go to Psalm 51 tonight. And he would talk about uh, restoring our joy. So if you would, go ahead and turn to Psalm 51. And just sit there for a minute. I'm going to... Read the story that leads up to that. And Psalm 51 is uh, written by David. It has been written by David. Uh, and it says there that uh, it was written by him when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. Okay? So, before I get into the psalm, I want to first... Uh, talk a little bit about the story of David and Bathsheba. For those of you who are here tonight, and I know most of you know that story, uh, but there might be one or two in the front row over here that may not. Um, but I, I think we need to hear it before we get into the song. Okay? It said, One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof strolled around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. So David sent someone to inquire about her, and he reported, this is Bathsheba. And 
She is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to him, he slept with her. Now she had just been purifying herself from her uncleanliness, and afterwards she returned home. And it says there that the woman conceived and sent word to inform David that I am pregnant. Verse 6, David sent orders to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the troops were doing and how the war was going. And then he said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and, and a gift from the king followed him. But it says there that Uriah slept at the door of the palace with all his master's servants. He did not go down to his house. And when it was reported to David that Uriah did not go home, David questioned Uriah. Haven't you just come from a long journey? Why didn't you go home? And Uriah answered David, The ark Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my master Joab and his soldiers are camping in the open field. How can I enter my house to eat, drink, and sleep with my wife? As surely as you live and by your life, I will not do this. So David says, stay here today also and tomorrow, and I will send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited Uriah to eat and drink with him, and David got him drunk. He went out in the evening to lie down on his cot with his master's servants, but he did not go home. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah, and in the letter he wrote, Put Uriah at the front of the fiercest fighting, then withdraw from him so that he is struck down and dies. So Joab sent someone to report to David all the details of the battle, and when he arrived, he reported that, uh, to David, all that Joab sent, or sent him to tell. And then if we skip down, it says, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. So it says in verse 26 of 2 Samuel 11, When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah had died, she mourned for him. And when the time of mourning ended, David uh, had her brought to his house, she became his wife and bore him a son. However, the Lord uh, considered what David had done to be evil. So the Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he arrived, he said to him, There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one small lamb, that he had bought. He raised it, and he grew it up, living with him and his children. They shared his meager food and drank from his cup. It slept in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep 
or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. So David there says he was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Because he has done this thing and shown no pity, he must pay four lambs for that lamb. And then Nathan replied to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that was not enough, I would have given you even more. Why then have you despised the, the command of the Lord by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him with the Ammonite sword. Now, therefore, the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes, and he will sleep with them publicly. You acted in secret, but I will do this before all Israel and in broad daylight. David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And then Nathan replied to David, the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die, however, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter. The son born to you will die. And going on in scripture there, we hear that uh, Bathsheba and David's son did die. So that kind of gives you an idea of this time that David had with Bathsheba. And so we know that this psalm was written, because it says so, after Nathan the prophet came to him, he had uh, sat down and put pen to paper, whatever it may have been back then, and he started to write this. And it says in my Bible that it is a prayer for restoration. It is a prayer for restoration. And you see, we'll hear in the, in the word here in just a little bit of how David has lost his joy. And this morning we heard about joy, and this will be a message on joy eventually. But see, David allowed something to take his joy from him. He allowed sin to enter into his life. When he was strolling the rooftop of his palace and he looks out and he sees this woman bathing, he should have turned right back around and went back in the palace. But he did not. He kept looking. 
and he was uh, intrigued by her, and he wanted her. And so sin at that point of looking entered in to David's life. And then he would continue to sin over and over again for quite some time. So we'll hear in this psalm tonight how David is praying to God uh, for forgiveness for what he has done uh, through the story of David and Bathsheba. Um, Therein, verse 1 of Psalm 51, David says, Be gracious to me. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love and according to your abundant compassion. He says, Blot out my rebellion. So David there is saying in, in uh, verse 1, Extend your grace. He says, Be gracious to me, God. Extend your grace to me. David says to God, extend your grace, or as we have heard so many times, your unmerited favor, or your undeserved, that unmerited means undeserving. David was certainly not deserving of God's favor, God's grace, but we know that he extends it. David says, extend your grace to me, O God, uh, extend your unmerited favor to me and according to your faithful love. Faithful there or constant love. David is starting out this prayer uh, of restoration in the right way. He is uh, talking to God and he's saying, uh, be gracious to me, God. Extend your grace to me according to your uh, unfaithful or according to your faithful love, your constant love for me. David says, be, faith, or, uh, be gracious according to your faithful love and according to your abundant or your great compassion. And I wrote here another word for compassion is tolerance. You know, God has great tolerance. Here for David, and he has great tolerance for you and me. And I, I wanted to start out by saying tonight, too, that as we read this psalm, read through this prayer of restoration that David wrote, we need to put ourselves in David's position. Because we are just like he was, we're sinners. So this really needs to become, and the more I have read through it, the more I have thought this needs to be something that I print out, tape up uh, in a place that I look at every day, and it needs to be something I go through. It really needs to be something that we all go through. But David is saying here in verse 1, Be gracious to me, God. Extend your grace. Uh, extend your unmerited favor according to your faithful or your constant love and according to your abundant or your great compassion. And then he goes on and he says, blot out my rebellion. 
blot out my rebellion. Wipe it away. Wipe away my disobedience. Wipe away my sin. You see, David knew after having this conversation with Nathan, David knew that he had sinned against God. 2 Samuel 12, 13 said that David said, I have sinned against the Lord. In fact, as I have thought through this, he has broke five of the Ten Commandments. You see, he had the Ten Commandments. He didn't have this. We have this. We have even more than he had. And we still screw up on a daily basis. But he had the Ten Commandments and he uh, had uh, favor with God and he knew that. But when he looked at the beautiful woman, he allowed sin to trickle into his life. And then from there it got worse and it got worse, and it got worse, all the way up to the point that he had a man killed. I'm not sitting amongst, or standing here amongst murderers tonight, but I am standing here in the company of a bunch of sinners. And you can't deny that, and neither can I. I'm one of the biggest ones here. But David had broke five of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet, or to yearn to possess or have something that's not yours. Oh, when he was on the rooftop of the palace, he was over there and he was doing some yearning, was he not? I wish I had her. Thou shalt not steal one of the commands. Uh, that means to take without permission. And we also know that he did that. He took her. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Bathsheba was married to Uriah. David committed adultery with her. Thou shalt not lie. That is the deliberate intent to deceive. All throughout that whole ordeal, knowing that he had gotten Bathsheba pregnant, he was trying every way in the world to get Uriah to go home to her and sleep with her so he would think that that was his child. Thou shalt not lie. And then, of course, thou shalt not kill. And to kill is to cause the death of. And we know that David was the cause of Uriah's death. So you see, David knew what he had done, and he knew how he had sinned against God, and he knew of those commands that he had broke. So when he approaches God in this psalm, or this prayer for restoration, he starts out by saying, Be gracious to me, God. Extend grace to me one more time. He's saying, according to your faithful love, I know you love me, God, no matter what. I need you to extend grace one more time. And according to your abundant compassion, I need for you to blot out 
to blot out all of my rebellion, to blot out all of those sins. Do we not need to pray that on a daily basis? God, would you please extend grace to me again today? We're going to go to bed tonight a sinner, and we're going to wake up in the morning a sinner, and we're going to need God to extend some more grace. We're going to need God to extend some more grace, and we're going to need Him to continue to faithfully love us even through all of the things that we do that are not good, all of the times that we break the commands. And you know, I love that word compassion. Man, do we ever need God's compassion. This world is so crazy. I shared with our Sunday school class this morning of how a mother we heard uh, was in the process of getting a divorce and it was not going well and her husband was trying to get custody of the children and so she goes and gets a gun and she decides she's going to kill the kids. She shoots all three of them in the head, two of them died and one of them lived. Was that this week? This week. And a little while before that, we heard of how kids were killing their parents. I mean, this world is full of craziness. We're surrounded by it. And boy, do we ever need for God to be compassionate. So David says there, blot out my rebellion, blot out my sin. Verse 2, he says, wash away my guilt. Get rid of it, God. Get rid of it. Wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Make me clean, David's saying. Make me clean. Verse 3. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. David says, I am aware. God, I am very well aware of what I have done. I'm aware of the commands that I have broken. I'm aware of my disobedience to you. And I'm aware of my sin. He says it. And I'm telling you, this is how we should apply this psalm to our lives. God, first of all, I want to recognize how gracious you are and how much you love us and how much how, how you have abundant compassion for me and how you're willing to blot out my rebellion. And, you know, we, we should pray, wash away my guilt, cleanse me from my sins, and we should do it on a daily basis. He says, wash away my guilt. Get rid of it. Get rid of my sin, God. Cleanse me and make me clean. And then in verse 3, he says, Therefore I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. I am aware of my disobedience, and my sin is always right here. It's always right here. In the front part of my brain, it's constantly uh, coming up day after day of what I have done. If you have a relationship today with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, your sins should pop up in your brain constantly. You should be aware of it. 
It should be there. He says, "My, I am conscious of it. I know what I have done. And it is always before me. And he wants so bad for God to take it away. Verse 4. He says, Against you, God, against you and you alone, I have sinned and I have done this evil in your sight. And he goes on to say that you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. You see, David admits his sin and he says to God, you know, I, I like this word that I looked up when I typed up blameless and it comes up perfect. Isn't that a good way to describe God? You are perfect, God. You are perfect when you judge me. You are perfect, God, when you put those sins that I've committed right in front of me. Against you, David says, and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right. You are right to pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. And then there in verse 5, it says, Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was uh, sinful when my mother conceived me. David just says uh, that he has been a sinner from birth, as we all have been. We know that. But man, when you, when you tell it, you know, when you recognize it, and you, you get it out there in your, in your prayer of restoration to God on a daily basis, you know, God, I'm a sinner, and I always have been. And I need you again today, God. I need you again today to take them away from me. Verse 6. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. Integrity and uh, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. That's what integrity means. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Truthful, trustworthy, fair, decent. David says, you desire that. You desire that in me, in the inner self, as Christians today, as believers in Jesus. God expects us to be uh, truthful, trustworthy, fair, decent. He expects us to have strong moral principles. He expects us to be honest. He desires what uh, David recognized here uh, in him, you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within. He does the same thing for you and for me. Verse 7. Purify me, David says. Purify me with hyssop. Well, what is hyssop? A wild shrub whose twigs were used for sprinkling 
in ancient Jewish rites of purification. Purify me. He's needing to be cleansed. David is asking God to clean him from within, to make him clean or to refine him. And to refine him is to take away the impurities. Hello? We have any impurities that need to be taken away? I do. You know, this is a good prayer to pray on a daily basis. Clean me. Refine me, God. You know of these things from within that are not good, the impurities, the things you don't like, God. Have you ever prayed for God to take things away from you? I have. God, would you just take that desire, that thought, would you just get that out of my life? Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But David says he is asking God to clean him from within, to make him clean, to refine him, to take away the impurities. And there in verse 8, let me hear joy. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. David says, let me be joyful again, is what he's saying. You see, David knows what he has done. He knows what he's done, and he knows when it started. And it started with the first look at Bathsheba. And from there, it's been a roller coaster of sin in David's life. And it's eaten him up. He's talking about it right here, of how his sin is constantly right here in front of him. He's asking for God to take it away. Take it from me. Blot it out, he says. And David says, let me hear. He says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. David is just simply, I believe, saying, let me be joyful again, God. Let me be a man. Let me be a man that delights in you again. Let me be a man that delights in you, God, and all your ways. And let me be a man who exalts you. David, verse 9. Turn your face away from my sins, he says. Turn your face away from all my sins and blot out all my guilt. David says... Let me be joyful again. Let me be a man that delights in you, God, and all your ways. And let me be a man who exalts you, God. And there in verse 9, David is asking for forgiveness of his sins. Hello? That's a daily thing that should be happening in our lives. God, it's me again. Yep, you know my sin today. I need to be forgiven. 
I ask that you do that. And because God is full of grace, he does it. Because he loves us. But he really wants us to quit sinning. But we know we can't because we're not perfect. But we do need to, on a daily basis, ask forgiveness of our sins. In verse 10, he says, God, create a clean heart for me. Create a clean heart for me. I read that to say, come into my heart, God. Come into my heart and renew. He goes on and he says, uh, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Come into my heart, God, and renew. And to renew is to resume an activity after an interruption. Oh, there was a big interruption in David's and God's relationship. And it started with the first glance at Bathsheba. And I don't know exactly how long it lasted, but there was a big interruption in the relationship that God had with David and David had with God. And so there in verse 10, when we read, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit, and we read that renew is to resume an activity after an interruption, Come into my heart, God, and renew our relationship. And then he goes on, he says, renew a steadfast spirit, steadfast and unwavering loyalty in me. Come into my heart, clean it, God, get the junk out of it, and let's renew our relationship. Verse 11, do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, David says. You see, he was fearful of that. We've already talked about how he had broke five of the Ten Commands. You know, he, he knows what he's done. He knows how he has sinned against God and God alone. And he just simply says, don't banish me. Don't banish me from your presence. Do not send me away from you, God. Do not send me away from you, God, or remove your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12. Restore. Here we go. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. David is asking God to bring back, to restore is to bring back to life. David is asking God to bring back to life the joy that he once had in his relationship with God. You see, guys, when sin enters into our lives, we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready to, first of all, try to deny it or not do it. We have to be strong, and we have to resist. We heard uh, Brent say this morning, talked about our adversary, the devil. He's 
constantly. Do you not know that the devil was having a heyday with David? He was loving it. He was like, ah, David, she's really pretty, ain't she? Go ahead and take her. She's yours for the taking. You're the king. You can do what you want. You see, the devil's like that. He tells us constantly, go ahead. It's right there. Open up the computer. Check it out. Go ahead right there. It's, it, it will give you temporary happiness if you put it in your arm or you drink it. You see, the devil loves it when he can get into our lives some way. And buddy, he found a way in on the palace rooftop with David. He says, well, here we go. Here's his weakness. And we know what happened from there. It just got crazier and crazier. So David says, do not send me away from you, God, or remove your Holy Spirit from me. And then there in verse 12, he is just simply asking God to restore or to bring back to life the joy that he once had. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit. As I read that, I thought to myself, a question came to mind. Do you all remember how joyful you were when you first became a Christian? I remember I was sitting at my mother's kitchen table in, our, in her apartment. Pastor came in, sits down, talks about his church a little bit. Before he leaves, he does what pastors do, and he says, Linda, before I leave, I want to ask you a question. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you go? Mom answered with confidence. She knew. I was sitting at the end of the table, and he said, Jeremy, I want to ask you the same question. And buddy, here come the waterworks. Because I knew. He prayed with me there at mom's table. And when he left, I was so excited. I had to get on the phone and call my grandparents and tell them what had just happened. You know, it was a joyful occasion for me. I was no longer hellbound, but I'm heavenbound. And I was happy. But over the course of my life, over the years, I have forgotten how joyful I was that night. And God kind of reminded me back in 2012. And guys, the way, the joy we had when we first came to know Jesus Christ is the joy that we should have as Christians every day in our lives. Every day. You know, I've got my fair share of troubles and headaches. You know, I'll just tell you, it's not a hoot managing a restaurant. I've got my fair share of irritations. But that should not keep me from being joyous on a daily basis. Why? Because like Brent said this morning, this is temporary. Man, if we could just stay focused to, to our eternity, stay focused on what's to come. 
So do you remember how joyful you were when you became a Christian and you were no longer bound by sin and its consequences? David here is asking God for forgiveness and a restored joy that comes from deliverance from his sins. He says, give me a willing spirit. And a word there that helps to describe willing is ready. Give me a readiness. Give me a, a, a ready spirit, one that is a raring to go. And why does, he, why does he say, give me a willing spirit? Well, in verse 13, he says, Then I will, re I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will return to you. I love that. And I want to go back 10, 11, and 12 there where it says, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And when he says there in verse 12, restore the joy of your salvation to me, I've made a note here on the side of my Bible, he's rededicating his life. And there in verse 13, he says, Then I will teach. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways. And see, that's what happens when we're restored. We go from being a, a sinner to God getting a hold of us and restoration comes into our life. And the next thing you know, you find yourself standing up here on a Sunday night. I can just tell you, nine, ten years ago, this wouldn't have happened. You see, God has the plan. And God had the plan for David. And David did the right thing. He prayed. He prayed a prayer of restoration. God, give me a clean heart. And I love to say, give me a clean heart and a new start. And see, God does that. If we screw up majorly tonight, he's going to give us a clean heart and a new start tomorrow. And if we screw up tomorrow, he's going to turn around. If we pray and ask him for forgiveness of our sins, he's, we're going to pray and ask for a clean heart and a new start, and he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. Why? Because he loves us. And he so desperately wants a relationship with us. I would like to encourage you guys tonight to keep Psalm 51 close and refer to it or maybe recite it every day. Be reminded of those sins that we commit, the sins that come into our life as those that came into David's that 
took him, took some of that joy out. You know, it's hard to be joyous when you're constantly sinning and aware of it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Brent's message this morning. I thank you for our time of worship together. I thank you for the leadership here at Dorisville. Father, I thank you for this opportunity tonight to share a little bit of your word. Father, I thank you for David. And I thank you for his uh, prayer of restoration that has been recorded in your word that we can read and learn from and apply to our lives on a daily basis. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for your compassion. Father, we ask you tonight to forgive us. Forgive us of our sins. Give us a clean heart, Father. And a new start for tomorrow. Help us to do what it is you've called us to do, Lord. And that is to tell people the good news. The good news. of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And how God loves us so much that he sent him. Father, we love you and we thank you. And most of all, we thank you for your son and his sacrifice. Now, as we close out tonight's service, if there's anyone here who needs to make a decision tonight, uh, Father, just speak to their hearts. Help them to step out. I fully believe that David was praying this prayer of restoration and a prayer of rededication to you, God. And maybe someone here needs to rededicate, recommit their lives to serving you. Father, if that needs to happen, cause them to step out. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.